Our first message this afternoon is from Mr. Doyle Carter. It is entitled, Why Should We Study the Bible? Doyle. And greetings today. On a cold day, too. At least it wasn't as bad as it was earlier this week when it was 19. That was fun. But at least, like I say, I work indoors, so hey, it's easy. So We were talking about that at work, how... One person was driving about work and said, you know, we could be working out in 19-degree weather, you know, digging ditches, road work. And I said, oh, well, second thought, we like it here. So, yeah, we got free pop on the side, so we can't beat that. If you don't know, I work for Coca-Cola in the call center. So, in considering, in, in, in considering what to speak about today, it occur, it, since we are in between the whole, in between the fall holy days and spring holy days, it's like I have a barren time for six months. I decided, or it was decided, or to, that it might be a good idea to go ahead and review why we study why we study the Bible. And this actually, I would give take the credit for the sermon title, but it actually came from something I found in the, as I call this, as you all laugh, the Veteran Bible. There was a note under one of the scripture I'm going to be using of somebody actually spoke on this one year because he said the same thing. He said, because we're in the middle of the Holy Days, people tend to get a little more laxed. You know, there's not many events in the church going on and all that, and sometimes we kind of get out of the this habit of studying the Bible as often. So I thought it'd be a good day to review why we study the Bible and how it benefits us. So I was going to, my first scripture of the day is 2 Timothy 3. This is where Paul encourages a young minister in his, in trying to encourage a young minister. And he tells him, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 3, apology there. He tells this young minister, Timothy, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we see that, first off, what I want to point out in this is we see that all scriptures are given by the inspiration of God, and it is profitable for our doctrine, for reproof, correction, and it says instruction in the King James, and I like one of the versions, it says in training in righteousness. I thought that was a good way of translating it. Because it was one of those, the ESM or something like that, one of the newer versions. We are, and to throw in an additional item here in this letter, because in first, and also in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 15, as further admonishment or, or encouragement for Timothy. Let me find it. He tells, he tells uh, Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of God. So we learned at least two things so far why we would study the Bible. One, one we see that it says in, in 2 Timothy 3, or 2 Timothy 3.17 that a man may be perfect. By studying the word, we become perfect. We can become perfect. And in 2 Timothy 2.15, when he says just the encouragement there, says, study to show thyself approved unto God. So 
So there's right there at least a, some brief points on why we would study the Bible, so we can become perfect. So my first real point, or the major point, would be that, how do I want to watch this? The Bible is to help us gain wisdom. In Psalms 19.7. Now this was, and this is why I'm getting to that scripture. This was not the way I was going to present it to you. I, I got the situation where I revised it three times. Because I was already thinking about writing an article about this anyway before I studied the Bible. And I was going to approach it in a different fashion. And it's like, it just got changed and changed and changed. So I'm like Sean and everybody else. The last minute was like, last night I thought, hold it, I could add this scripture to it. So... In Psalms 19.7, we read, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the, Lord, testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So the psalmist is telling us that the law of the Lord is good for converting the soul. Helps us do the as it said earlier in Second Timothy, you know, to train us in righteousness. And we see that it makes the wise, simple wise. First, a little bit, but it's basically because we. How do I put like this? The word helps us get wise because we would be, if we didn't read it, there'd be situations we'd get into that if the Bible did not tell us not to get into it, because we just don't automatically know it, we would get into it. And like, for example, several times in my life, if I didn't know the Word of God like I did, and it told me to not do something, I'd probably be in a worse mess than I am now. And I'm sure you could say the same thing, where you could read, <laughs> you know, where he read the Bible and said, eh, I don't want to mess with that. And then it turned out later that was a good idea not to mess with it or do whatever. You know, it's, so it teaches us the right way. It teaches us to be wise. As a companion or a reference scriptures, I'll put it in this sermon, or sermonette, uh, in Psalms 19, uh, 1.19. I can't think, I don't want to tell on myself, that's why I didn't go any further on the wisdom thing. Several goofy things I did when I was a kid. So can, yeah. That's the funny story just to throw in. I almost, yeah, no, well, yeah, I will. I got a BB gun for a birthday. This is a funny story to throw in, and I can get to the reference because I'm finding it. Basically, I almost shot my own eye out because I shot at a rock. No concept that it would ricochet right back. You know, bang. And it's, luckily, I wear these things. Now, my mom didn't think that way. They were made of glass back then. I was like, mom, I came home from my glass. I'm sorry. I was more afraid my glasses were broken to make my mom mad more than anything else, to be honest. I came home and she was poking at my eye. I said, get out of my eye. It's okay. It's like, son, shut up. You can let me do it. Again, as my reference in uh, Psalms 119, 97 to 99, David says, oh, how I, love, how I love I thy law. This is my meditation all the, all the day. Thou through the commandments has made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. 
I have more understanding than all my teachers, for they, for thy, sorry, apology there, with thy, for your testimonies are my meditation. He talks about how he meditates on the principles of God, the, the testimony of God, and made him wiser than his teachers. And he always has enemies, we always have enemies, that's the way life is. But he was wiser than his enemies. And being a king, he probably had a lot more enemies than us. So, my next, my next point is it guides us in our life's uncertainties. As you know, as we go through life, there's no certainties. I mean, when we run into a problem, we sometimes don't know how to exactly resolve it. We sit here and kind of, we, we need guidance. That's why we ask each other for help, you know, sometimes. You know, like, what, what happened here? Well, the Bible says, in uh, my reference to this, is Psalms. 119, 105. You don't have to go too far today. And in the reference it says, Thy law is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Because like I say, sometimes we run into uncertainties. And like, like the day, I can relate this to an analogy of a person I can tell on myself, I guess. One night, I guess I had a runny nose or something like that, and I was trying to get to the bathroom. And all the lights out, see, I have my front lights or front windows open all the time, so the outside light comes in. They were out. It was perfectly dark, so I, I ran into the wall. Let's just say it that way. Only thing injured was my, uh, my uh, ego, if anyone was there. I hope the neighbors didn't hear it. But the same analogy is true there. In life, there's, some, there's a lot of dark areas or gray areas. And by using the, his word to light our way, our path of life, we can actually see the pitfalls. Because I, like, you know, it's here in horror movies and all how it's always dark, it's always in the woods, there's enough light for everybody to run around. It's not true. It gets dark. I know because I almost sprained my ankle one day doing that. You know, I was running with friends and had a flashlight, luckily. But it was my light to make sure I didn't stumble over rocks or whatever. And, and life is just like that. It's nice to have a light to go in front of you and actually be able to help you see the obstacles that you can avoid that might harm you. Now this is not now when I say when I say this I also made a side note on this in my notes. I'm not saying that prayer and fasting is not important either. So you know I thought I'd make that clear too, because in case because those also are other aids to help us as well as the Word of God. And speaking of obstacles and uncertainties, the Bible is also compared to a sword, a defensive weapon, in case we are something comes at us. Because we, as we know, the world wants to pull us with a bunch of ideas. We got the more recent one is like in the late 20th, 19th century is, Dar uh, I call it Darwinism, but evolution is in every documentary. We, and in the past, you've got things like Chinese religions, you've got every other religion, you've got communism, you've got everything trying to pull you toward it. And a lot of these ways are not right. They're just flat not right. They're just confusing. Like I say, I was studying on Maoism, and it's just kind of, it's basically, a, according to the person who did the lecture on Maoism, if I'm saying the word right, it's basically a hippie movement thing. So, but it doesn't matter. That was just a side note that that's another philosophy that's creeped into our society where, you know, hey, let's just live peacefully, you know, no responsibility. But we are not to conform to this world. We are told not to conform to this world. But anyway, back to the sword just real quick. Just saying that in Ephesians 6, 
17, it tells us, well, first of all, in, in all that, it says that we would put the armor of God for it. For, for we wrestle not, okay, I'll go to 12 first. Ephesians 6, 12. When we do deal with our problems and things going on, we, it's, Paul's telling us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers, against darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness and wickedness in high places. And then he tells us in verse 13 that we should put on the armor of God that we may be able to withstand the evil days having done, having done all to stand. The word of God is to help us to defend ourselves against these ideas. When somebody comes up with some weird idea of, out of whatever and we don't know how to answer it, we can go to God's word and study it and see how God, of course with prayer again and all that, but we can go to God's word, which is how he communicates with us one way, that we can go in there and rightly divide what if it's true or not. It gives us a, a means to determine what is, is true or not. For as I said earlier, I jumped the notes here, but that's okay. We are warned by Paul, and he was talking to the Roman church in Romans 12.2. He was saying in Romans 12.2, he says, let's see, I didn't quote that, did I? Yeah, I'll just read off my sheet. And be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, what is acceptable, and perfect will of God. And he was talking to a church. I've had somebody say that churches are immune to this uh, conformity. It's not true. You can, a church can easily, uh, church members can just as well fall into conformity as well. Like it was, it was hard to tell Jeff, one of my coworkers, shouldn't use the name, but my coworkers, he wondered why I had a little bit of resentment toward the Christmas lights. They put them around my de cubicle. I went, okay, I'll let it go because okay, whatever. You know, I'm, it, you know, I just won't take pictures of it with my you know, my gimmick I use on Facebook, and I didn't. But I had to answer him, and he did not like the an he did not like my answer. And I did say something about Deuteronomy 12, where the Israelites went in and they were not to learn the way of the heathens, of the pagans. I went and just, I didn't, and I didn't mean it, I didn't say it offensively, I just said, you know, Christmas has a lot of pagan stuff and God tells us not to do it. He didn't take that very well. <laughs> he did not take that very well. And I wasn't even being offensive. I just said, you can do what you want. I just said that this is my feelings from what I read. But it was my defense against that. Yeah, I was so glad they took the Christmas lights down, too, on January 6th. Took them long enough. But that leads to a warning, though. It really does. You know, I, we say that it does, it's our, uh, oh, jump the gun again. But that's okay. Because I was going to use an example. In Matthew 4, and I think it's in Luke 4. Let's put that down. But in Matthew 4, we see that Jesus, when he was confronted by Satan after the 40 days of fasting, that he used the word of God as his defense. So we have an example right there of somebody who used the word of God as defense. And as trivia for you, my first, this was my first scripture I ever learned. I have no idea how old I was, but I do remember learning it. It was out of a little red book coming from, what a, uh, from a church. They sent me to a church camp, believe it or not. For a family who didn't keep uh, religious beliefs, they... He quotes from Deuteronomy 8.3. 
And in Matthew 4, 4, I don't know if I told Brian that. Did I? That's okay, I meant as a reference, but that's okay. But he answered, Jesus answered saying, saying Satan, answering Satan his question, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So he answers. He, he didn't revile Satan. He just said, Satan, this is the way it goes. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So he used the word of God for his defense. So he set us a good example. And on this, I couldn't resist putting this in. We are called to study, and, it, and as we know, ancient Israel... Let's go to it first. Let's go to it first. That's how I'm going to do this. In Hosea 4.6. Hosea 4.6. Let's do this first. And as I'm getting there, if I can find it, as I'm getting there, as you know, Israel rejected God's word, apparently. I mean, you know, because like, like when Jer Jeroboam became, went in power at the division of the, of the uh, when Israel divided and took the ten kingdoms, for the, I guess the fear of his power, losing his power, he decided instead of, instead of keeping the holy days like they should be and all the things and go to, have the people go to Jerusalem, he decided he's just going to make his own holy days. And who knows, he may change the Sabbath. You know, he could have changed a lot more, but he changed the holy days, which is one of the avenues of which we stay with God. So in Hosea, thank you for your patience here. I think I know where that was from the old the veteran Bible. You realize for 15 years I studied out of this thing. That's why I've repaired it like three times. I'm not as bad as him. He, he has pages falling out of his. Mine is heading that way after 30 years, but not quite. So I was discussing with Brian. I'll probably buy a new one eventually. And you can tell it's worn. Well, the, Israel was warned, or, the, or in Hosea, we, is, there was a warning in here that even we can take to heart. In Hosea 4, 6, it says, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Because they have rejected knowledge, I have also rejected thee. Or, yeah. And that thou, I don't want to wait for it. Basically, the point I was saying is the people were destroyed. Basically, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. One reason we need to study is if we don't watch it and we let, like the sword. We'll just go back to the sword analogy. If it gets dull because you don't sharpen it or keep it sharp, what will happen is we won't be able to defend ourselves as well. And eventually we will fall to our enemies and fall to the thoughts of the world in form. We don't want to do that. For we are to use, this is the next point, the Bible as our standard of our faith. It's to be the standard of our faith. I draw on, as an analogy on this one, Acts 17.11. Well, we see that Paul had to leave a certain location and went to another one. He went to Berea, I believe it is, if I got the analogy right. He went to Berea. And in Acts 17, 11, he says, And they, these, were more noble than these in Thessalonica, in that, in that by, there's some here. Let me get my Bible out. I thought my notes were good here. Sorry about that. 
Now, I was joking, Mr. Gregory, my bifoc I had to get bifocals. So. so when you read five pages, it's really not as big as it looks. The font's like 18 or something of that range. So one of the problems is you get, I'm getting older. Hey, at least my eyes got, when I went to get them checked, they said they were not that bad. They, there was just a slight disimprovement. They didn't get that bad. See, now we go. Okay, here we go. I'll just read out of this. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scripture daily, whether these things were so. So when Paul walked in, they didn't just go, oh, he's a wonderful speaker. I'll believe anything he says. They went in and checked him through the scriptures. And that's what we should do all the time. We should always check people, check what we know from the, from the Bible itself. It is a form of, like I said, it's a standard of our faith. And it's funny that he says they're more noble in Thessalonians, and it turns out that in 1 Thessalonians reference, as I told him, reference in 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians 5.21, it says, prove all things and hold fast to that which is true. He tells the Thessalonians to actually prove all things. So, it, so that was just interesting there. We're almost there. One more point, two more points. Or one more point, I'm sorry. The Bible gives us hope. This one I didn't elaborate too much in here in my notes, but that's okay, I can do this anyway, because... When you watch world news, and when you watch the world around us, and you listen to these philosophies, like, okay, example, I was talking about Maoism. Its basic fundamental beliefs, beyond, you know, being like the hippie movement where you just relieve all your physical responsibilities in life and all that, tells us there's nothing beyond life. Just like Darwinism. And there's no hope in that. I mean, what's the point? But the Bible doesn't say that. Thank goodness, I'm glad. Because I intentionally did not quote this one first. We're going back to Second Thessal or Second Saint Thessalonians Day, Second Timothy, three fifteen. Now the reason I got after myself wasn't because I'm apologizing. Is that when when uh, I gave Brian this thing, he thought I said this. Oh well, I may have said it, but I said Thessalonians instead of Timothy. And I know why, because I think of the Thessalonians event. So in Second Timothy three fifteen. I skipped this because there's a point in this. I wanted to kind of, like Steve said in his sermon, I like the way he said it, always end with hope. And I'm going to try to end this with a little more hope than that. So, and that from, it says, again, in 2 Timothy 3.15, that from a child thou hast known the holy scripture, which are able to make thee wise, we've already shown that in other places, unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. The scriptures, as I said earlier, we, the world acts like it has no hope. The scriptures show us we have hope. It makes us wise unto salvation. When we study it, we study, when we study it, we learn about our salvation through the faith which is in Jesus Christ. It directs us to Jesus Christ. So to basically summarize the points that I have presented, because just to briefly do, summarize it, 
why we should study the Bible first, that we, we can become perfect through it. We can gain wisdom. It makes us wise. It helps us become wise in this world. It, it gives, us, gives us a guide in life when things are uncertain. Because not everything is black and white. Sometimes you have that gray, you have to have some, you know, have to have some standard to work with. And the Bible's a good one. The Bible is a part of the armor of God. It's our defense when we are attacked, so to speak. I, I don't like the word attack. When we're confronted or whatever, it's considered like the sword. It's the sword, and a sword to defend us. We can use it as a defensive measure. We can quote it, use it for our idea, you know, help us to go on. The Bible is also our standard. It's a standard which we can live by. For, to conclude, in, in 2 Timothy 3, it says, and as I, we've read earlier, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly, and, and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I encourage you all to continue to study your Bible, to learn from it, to get all you can out of it, for the ultimate is that the Word of God makes us wise. I'm going to go back to verse 15. I like that, how he said it. It makes us wise unto the salvation through, uh, through faith, which is in Jesus Christ.